Hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back to the Mommy and Me Murder Time podcast. Um, I apologize for no episode last week. I have recently found myself uh, in a job. <laughs> Yay! So I've had to move some stuff around in my schedule, my very busy schedule, by the way, because not only do I have this podcast, but I have another podcast, and it's very hard to juggle things. <laughs> right? This is life. Yeah, but um, so... This is my bad on uh, no episode last week, but this week I'm excited. I've done lots of research. Good. We are too because uh, everybody's hitting me up like, where's the episode? So now you get your explanation, y'all. Yeah. um, So, I mean, I'm sorry, but here you go. I hope this is uh, an episode that's really worth the whole two week or week wait. (laughs) Um, so today's episode is about some, uh, it's about a, a story, and I don't want to say story because that makes it sound kind of fake and made up, but it's a case that happened where we used to live Yeah. <laughs> um, in, in the Inland Empire, and it was, I guess, more of a well-known case because of the nature of it or because of a certain... Um, a certain key that came out of it, which will be explained later as to what this was. And a lot of uh, news platforms use this key to showcase like, so-and-so did this because of, you know, this reason. What? Crazy. Um, And it's a really, really sad story of, once again, child protection services failing to help children in a situation that they needed to be helped mm-hmm. if they intervened at any point none of this would have happened right so today's episode is about jane bautista and jane bautista she's from illinois she's this very beautiful um white woman she had a very long red hair the way they described her is kind of reminds me of like auntie jen almost <laughs> oh uh-huh um so that was like i every time i was reading about what she looked like it was like oh that just sounds like my auntie jen like it's super weird um but you know it works so. she, she fit the uh, image that you had in your head yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So she was very beautiful. She was this tall, thin, like she had really long red hair that would curl at the ends and stuff like that. And she knew she was beautiful, so it's not like she like was very shy and hid it. Right. Um, a lot of her friends and family loved Jane when she was growing up. She was like, you know, this fun person to be around, and actually, a lot of people would come to them come to her with their problems like about like boy troubles and stuff like that like she was the therapist or whatever that people would like just go to oh she was an empath yeah (laughs) so um despite everybody loving her like this her mother and her had a lot of tensions um they would often like butt heads and it was clear to jane that her daughter Nellie favored her older daughter Deborah more than Jane. Like she spent a lot more time with her and stuff like that. Um, and that really made Jane upset. Yeah, she felt left out. Yeah. 
Um, Big time. It's like a, a not not caring or a, I don't know how to say it, but definitely neglected emotionally by her mom. Yeah, which is really sad, but, you know, I don't, I don't really, well, I do know the reason why they butt heads, and it's because Jane has a short temper, <laughs> is the much I could really see at that point, you know. Yeah. Uh, she was also very rebellious um, compared to her sister. Her sister was deemed the perfect child or the angel child, and then it was like, oh, yeah, that's Jane, the rebellious one. And, you know, she she was very, she was the person that would, like, as soon as you showed her something that she didn't like, it was very easy for her to cut you out of her life. And, like, that was it. You would never hear from her again or anything like that. Was she a Virgo? Jane. She born... She's got a lot of Virgo traits, let me tell you. <laughs> um, hold on. If she's a Virgo, that would be unreal, because... Cutoff game strong with a Virgo. Empath, definitely. Like, rebellious. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I could see all that. I could see all that. She was actually born in December. December Oh, oh she's Capricorn? No. Yeah. Sagittarius no. or Capricorn? One of the two. I think um, Sagittarius. Sagittarius. Yeah. yeah. She's like on the cusp. Yeah, like, yeah, she's on the cusp. She's... she's on the cusp, which would give her a chance to carry both personalities, really, if she yeah. wanted to. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So um, she was also very, very smart. Like she uh, graduated high school one year earlier than normal, and she uh, worked her way. She wanted to become a, a teacher, I think it was. So uh -huh. she was um, even able to go to University of wisconsin parkland and oh wow met uh armando bautista who was an immigrant from belize and he was working at the college in 1980 so because jane was very attractive a lot of people were attracted to her but she didn't care for like anybody like that she was really attracted to ethnic men um and men that weren't as smart as her <laughs> oh dang <laughs> she wanted to be dominant yeah she did um she definitely had a type and she did like to go after like she was not it was not out of character for her to be with a person that was like from a, a different country um, uh -huh. she actually was almost nearly fluent in spanish um because she would often go to like Mexico for family vacation. Right. Like mm -hmm. So she, her dating Armando was like, oh, that's just Jane. But they definitely, like, some of the people, some of her friends were like, yeah, that's a little strange that she's wanting to spend her life with this man that's not her uh, equal, basically, like mentally and stuff. Right. Like that. He had no, um, he had no education at all. <laughs> what did he do at the school? He was like a handyman. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So they started dating, and um, by 1981, when she was 19, they actually got married, and they got married in his, like, native country or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. Or they had a ceremony there. Um, and, you know, Jane was, like, very snooty, so her parents didn't, or his parents 
didn't really like her that much. Like they didn't like that she didn't want to spend time at their house. With, like she'd rather go get a hotel and stuff like that. This is so sound like Ninety Day Fiance, right? <laughs> yeah, it does. Basically. <laughs> it sounds like Ninety Day Fiance. Um. Which I, I mean, that whole like, you know, his his mom really didn't like her because of this, and I was like, you know, I feel like if I was a boy and I brought Tim home or whatever, and we were like, no, we're gonna get a hotel, like you'd kind of be a little bit upset too, maybe. Like you're like, yeah. we spent like a whole five days cleaning for you and stuff like that. Like you think you're too good to stay at my house? Oh, that's jacked up. Yeah. She'd have to accept them as part of the family because that's going to be the family that she's married into. Like, yeah, yeah. But I get it. Like her, her status was more important to her than oh, their the, feeling. Yeah, and she came from a very wealthy um, family. She came from a family that's like well known. Where she's from, called like Funderburk. They're like a big construction family, and they it said that if you are selling a home and it says that it's Funderburk built that your like estimate or whatever will go way up higher because it's like a prestigious company it's like really interesting I don't know how it would like dang y'all you better check your houses yeah she you might get a come up right now (laughs) so she yeah so she's from this wealthy family she had no issues with like she had no issues herself with money, but during the marriage, they had run into financial issues because, like, you know, it's only him working. She has an education, and he's working these, like, odd jobs, basically. Mm-hmm. So, um, eventually, she does get her herself a job. She has a clerical job at this, like, electric company and stuff like that. And then, nine months later... On August 25th in 1982, Jason Bautista, their firstborn son, was welcomed into the world. Mm-hmm. And this being her firstborn, like, you would think Jane would be crazy excited and happy. But she really wasn't, like, at least she didn't show it. Um, she withdrew from a lot of her friends and family. I don't know why. She, she was probably happy. suffering from postpartum or something like that. Probably a good reason. She just didn't want to be around anybody or like mm-hmm. let them know what was happening. And she even eventually separated from Armando, like not even a year later. Um, but they had their reasons. Right. <laughs> Armando really wanted to work the re- relationship out with Jane. Like he didn't want his son to go without having a completed family and stuff like that. And Jane was like, you know, she did not want to be with him whatsoever or even let him be around the baby. Dang, that sounds really sad, but it sounds like she's suffering from postpartum depression. But also sometimes, you know, when you get pregnant or whatever, your whole chem- your body chemistry changes and right. that could have really affected her mental. You know what I mean? And then there's times too, like when there's women that are pregnant or whatever and they just can't stand the dad. Like, they don't want to have nothing to do with them. It's so crazy, but it happens. Like, I don't know, people's yeah. chemistry changes. So that's probably what's going on with her. Um. So Jane, the reason why Jane says she didn't want him, Armando, around was because that their relationship had become really vol- volatile, volatile. Oh, really? 
and explosive. Like they were constantly fighting with each other and it she didn't want it to affect Jason. Um, but in the end, this is exactly what ends up happening. Um, so on April 7th, 1984, Jane was finishing running errands with the baby and was going home. And on her way home, she always passes by work. Like it's just on the route going home. And so um, on her drive, she passes by the work, her workplace, and she looks over and she noticed that Armando's car is parked in the parking lot of her work. So what? she's like, okay, maybe he wants to come and like talk to me about something. So she goes and she walks up to his car and she noticed that he's slumped over towards the passenger side of the seat and he has like a hole in his chest. And then a hole. What? Somebody shot him? No, he committed oh. suicide. There was a suicide note that was not found like too far away from his body. And in the note, Armando puts 100% of the blame on him doing this on Jane. Like he's like, this oh, is that <laughs> is so fucked up. Poor guy, dude. Oh, I can't even. Dude. Imagine the rejection. You know, he's trying his freaking hardest. Homegirl's like not with it that's bad if you want to go in there and just hey and to make it even worse it seems like he's basically saying uh, since you spend the majority of your time at your job or that seems to be more important let me just do it right here that is crazy sad dude yeah so she was like freaking out and a lot of people even the cops at one point were like well she's she's actually did this like this wasn't a suicide this was staged or whatever but what? there is nothing there is nothing linking jane to like armando's homicide if there was one right um, there was like nothing there that can put the blame on her and despite this like despite cops and everybody saying like no she can't do this like this is obviously him um Armando's sister, and I don't know how to say her name. It looks like it's pronounced Quiria. Uh-huh. <laughs> U-I-R-I-A. Um, she absolutely hated Jane because she thought that Jane act like she she thought Jane murdered him. And she said, like, even though, yeah, maybe she didn't murder him physically, she murdered him mentally because she drove him to do this. Yeah. And so she hated Jane, but she wanted to be around Jason because that was her brother's only living like son. Like I get that. Yeah. That's the closest she could ever be to her brother. Exactly. So Jane spent a lot of time with Armando's family and she like completely like distanced herself from her family and stuff like that. Like she was like, I don't want to, I don't want anybody to be around me other than Armando and Armando's family. Isn't that weird? That seems kind of weird though, doesn't it? <laughs> What, what what do you mean? Like, I don't know. Like, if they're over here thinking that she's the one who killed him, like... Oh, maybe it's like that, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer or something. Yeah, know. maybe, but how weird. Like, how weird for them to try and interact with her and and still have a relationship, but obviously doing it for the baby. Yeah, it's but really it's just weird. Like, I would want to beat the shit out of her every time she came over. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I would yeah. want to kill that motherfucker. But whatever. Like, I mean, shit. For the baby, you, yeah. 
I would see why they would do that, you know? So it was that curious house in 1986 where Jose Montejo had first seen Jane. And it was at this, like, house party. And uh, Korea had a lot of parties where a lot of immigrants would be there. So he was also from, like, Belize area. Again, oh, yeah. type. <laughs> so, um... Jane was very standoffish and stuff like that. And even Jose's mom had said, like, don't talk to that girl. Everybody suspects she killed her husband. I oh, don't my God. Okay, so what <laughs> happened? So let me get this straight. <laughs> Am I tripping right now? You said that the sister had a party mm-hmm. and and this guy was a guest. Yeah. Oh, hell no. Why the heck would she invite her to the party? I'm not sure. It was Dude, just like, I guess it was just a This thing. is like the majorest front I've ever seen in my life. They were <laughs> good at it. Okay. I'm sorry. So, Go ahead. Yeah. So Jose's mom was like, don't talk to her. Don't even like ask about her or anything like that. Like she's bad news. She killed her husband. Everybody knows it. And Jose's like, I'm a grown man. I can do whatever I want. So he got to know Jane and Jane actually like let him be the one person that she put her guard down and like was like oh yeah you know this is my son my husband he just killed himself like <laughs> you know she I'm played to... yeah she played yeah. the role so um jace or sorry jose really liked to spend time with jane and jason and they would go to the beach and they would like have like cute family outings as well. yeah they were basically dating yeah, and Jose loved Jason. Like, it was his own son. You know, Jason was only about, like, four at this uh-huh. point. So, Jose was like, yeah, you know, I could see us becoming a family. Like, why won't you let me marry you? I really want to marry you. And she would constantly be like, no, because then I'm going to lose my benefits uh, from Section 8 housing. Because she wasn't making lots of money. And then she said that Jason would also lose his benefits from Social Security that he was getting from Armando. What happened to the wealthy family she came from, though? She like, doesn't want. Well, you both, she doesn't want anything to do with them. She okay. I was thinking her. like maybe she was making that shit up. You know, no, she, she, they're wealthy, um, and they are really like good off on whatever. But she hated her family. And there was actually one point, I didn't mention this. She had a really, she has a really, really bad temper. Like, it was getting really hotter quicker as soon as she graduated from high school. And it got so bad that one point, you know, she doesn't like her mom. Mm-hmm. Um, her mom, she asked her mom to let her borrow the car for the night. And her mom said no, because she had plans about going out herself and she needed the car to use it. And Jane went off screaming for hours about this car and her mom was like you know trying to calm her down and she went to go put her arms around her and jane blew up and started punching her in the head what the heck yeah and then her mom had to be sent to the hospital for injuries oh hell okay i get it I so she, why. yeah, she despises her family except for her grandmother. Her grandmother, it's kind of like you and Mama, almost like. Well, I shouldn't say that, but because you don't. Okay, hate I don't hate my grandma. mom. I love my yeah. mom. <laughs> Hi, mom. <laughs> but it's like how you guys are really close, and I'm sure yeah. you guys keep in touch. And Jane and her grandma were one of these people that would like 
they're constantly writing to each other and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that was like her only good relationship in that whole family. Oh, crazy. And, uh, yeah, I was wondering, like, okay, if she was wealthy and well-educated, like, you would think she wouldn't be on Section 8. You know what I'm saying? You'd think that she would be out there. What happened to her damn clerical job? Oh, I guess. She had it, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I was like, maybe she quit <laughs> after he uh, was killed right outside, you know? Yeah, no, no, no. Oh, God, I think that would be, um, like, lawsuit-worthy to lose your job because somebody killed themselves. I'm just saying, I, I'm sure I wouldn't want to return. But, okay, so she's over here with the new dude, and he wants to marry her, and she's like, nah, you're messing up my benefits. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and then Jose finally had his own reason why he did not want to marry Jane, and it's because she was actually insane. Like, she would go crazy. Anytime that he mentioned Armando, she would blow up on him and, like, start screaming at him and, like, there's been like times where she he said that she would lunge at him with a knife. What the fuck? And then whenever he spent more time with Jason, she would be like, "That's not even your son. Why do you care about him?" Like she, she really was a straight him. up hater, dude. Hey, yeah. I bet you he's like, "Damn, I should have listened to my family." <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Like, why didn't he ever just freaking leave and go? Well, he tried, and then no, tried. What did she, do? she held him hostage. No, but Murphy on July fourth. Oh 4th, hell! Matthew Montejo was born, so he oh. had a child with her. Oh my God! He's like la toxica. <laughs> <laughs> Extreme. No, now you're committed. Yeah. So yeah, so he did try to leave, and then you know she ended up becoming pregnant. So he's like, well, I don't want to abandon these kids now. I really don't want to. This is my responsibility. Maybe we can make it work. Damn, he took the high road on that one. <laughs> so once Matthew was born, Jane became this, like, ideal mother, but only to Matthew. Like, she would show him lots of affection, like, kiss him and stuff like that. And then to Jason, like, a second later, she would beat him because he spilled milk on the table or something. Like, she was very flip-flop with the two of them. So they're, what, like, five years apart? Yeah. Okay, okay. Damn, that's messed up. Mm -hmm. So Matthew was, like, again, this golden shot. And it's really interesting, and I, I wanted to bring this up later, but... She hates her mom so much, but she ends up basically becoming her mother with how she shows blatant favoritism to one of her children only. That's right. You said that in the beginning. That's right. Yeah. So um, after Matthew was born, I think it was like a year or so later, uh, Jane was very visibly like unhappy with where she was. She did not want to be in Illinois anymore, and she wanted to be somewhere sunny like all the time. So the four of them, they got in their car and they decided to go all the way to San... Well, the original plan was to go all the way to San Diego, California. Mm -hmm. So before they left, they had... Jane asked Jose, like, oh, can you come with me so I can go to my parents and tell them that we're leaving this place for good and then tell them goodbye because I don't plan on, you know, coming back. And he's like, okay, sure, I'll do that. Like, it was their first time meeting him. Oh, crazy. And, uh, 
they go to her mom's house and she lets them know that they're leaving and her mom just says okay well goodbye then and jane goes crazy like she's like this is why i hate my family blah blah, blah. they don't care like the whole three-day road trip she was just screaming about this mm-hmm. so they make it they don't quite make it to san diego they make it to san marcos and um it wasn't anything that like jane really thought it was going to be like she expected it to be like a switch that's going to make her happy magically and it really wasn't right because she's mental man yeah so right so throughout her life um she had never sought psychiatric help which she probably should have um armando's death like basically kick-started her deteriorating mind and it only got worse as the years went on like she was never actually diagnosed but a lot of the psych psychiatrists like after her death that were assigned to the trial and stuff like that um they kind of diagnosed her and sh- said that she showed clear signs of paranoid schizophrenia oh um, damn that's yeah. a hard one <laughs> so Neil Edwards, the medical doctor, he says that some people have paranoid personalities, but it never gets any worse. But some do. Some develop all the way into paranoid schizophrenia. Then they hear voices. They think people are after them. Famous people, even. They're delusional. After a while, their stories begin to sound like a complicated novel playing out inside their heads. So Jane often would start to develop these like crazy scenarios inside her head. You know what? It's crazy. I was thinking about like back, you were saying like before she had Jason, how she was like, you know, thinking that she was the bomb to everybody. (laughs) But it wasn't even, I don't think anybody saw that as part of her mental illness, but that could have been a manic part, a manic part of her life. Where it was just like, okay, well, she just thinks she's the bomb, whatever. But not realizing that the manic part of what she was doing is part of that mental illness that went. And I can see it happening. Like, okay, now now I see the deal with her mom. And imagine you're going to go the second time to be like, I'm trying to tell you I'm leaving, whatever. And she was like, well, okay, deuces. That's rejection for a second time. And then the fact that she sat there and festered on it, like that's going to definitely trigger some shit. So damn, but I didn't think she would be schizophrenic. That's some crazy shit. That's the voices and everybody talking to you. So eventually Jose, like he spent a lot of time dealing with Jane and he just got tired of it. Like there were so many times where she had put him into jail and stuff like that because of things he said and then like, you know, dropped the charges a few days later because, oh, I love him. Like he's not going to. Yeah, yeah, that's typical. So Jose was just tired of it and like he didn't want to move far away from the boys like you know he was still like I'm responsible for them I love them they're my family but I don't want to be with Jane and she like would lose it anytime she thought that there was a girl over at his house she would go crazy and be like oh is this your little whore and stuff like that and like you know call them out and then one day he had like a girl over and she 
saw her walk out of his apartment. So she went, she's like, you owe me child support money. You better give it to me right now or else I'm going to go to the uh, police, all this stuff. And then he was like, you know, I gave her everything that I had in my wallet. It wasn't enough to satisfy her. So she went and got my brand new TV and she smashed it to the ground. And then she went around my kitchen and she started throwing stuff on the ground. So I, you know, got up and I popped her in the face. Oh, damn. <laughs> and then she said, he said that she just like kind of like got her balance, looked at him and walked out the door. And then a few days later, he got a phone call from the police department saying, hey, can you come down here? You know, this woman says that you try to rape her and stuff like that. And she has. What? Raped so Jane said that he tried to rape her sexually assault her and he, she was like no and then you know that's why her face was all bruised up and um he had spent like a few weeks in jail and when he got out of jail he went by their apartment and the apartment was abandoned like nobody lived there anymore she oh just damn so he didn't get to say goodbye to the kids or anything and he spent many years after that looking for them and he could never find them it's crazy that like he never tried to get her a 5150 or you know like call the cops when she's having one of these freaking meltdowns so that would have been on record you know what i'm saying like okay well you know what it was like when we lived at la hacienda and we didn't have to deal with them on a regular basis and we had you know people who were schizophrenic in that but imagine being with those people all the time like why wouldn't he have called to get help get it on record i think um he just didn't know that was a thing like you have to remember he's an immigrant he's not from america yeah he probably didn't know that you can call the police when somebody's acting this crazy. Like he, he also probably thought it was normal because he said his dad was an alcoholic and his dad used to beat him. So oh. he really, that's like one of the reasons why he didn't like that Jane would like be so cold towards Jason was like, oh, it reminded me of my dad. Like he would say, like she was very ugly with how she would act like my dad damn i still think homie should have listened to his family <laughs> shit poor guy okay so now the kids are missing he's looking for him that's fucked up that she did that mm -hmm. so jane um they actually jane and the two boys they actually stayed pretty close to where jose lived they like stayed i think it was like 10 miles or so away from where he was living um but he could just never could find them mm -hmm. they had she was paranoid about telephones they had no phone like um, phone line or anything like that um and they weren't allowed to sign any like contracts kind of like she was super paranoid about that so yeah so jane and the boys they didn't they didn't go too far away from where jose was they lived 10 miles away and they went all the way to menifee oh yeah um, that's close by grandma's house yeah, and so it was during this time Jane was free, okay, and she liked to get dolled up in her tight short skirts and like fishnets and go out to clubs and stuff like that. Uh, okay, so how old is she by this time? So this is in 1987. Mm -hmm. um, she got married in 1981. She was 19, so what's like six years? Okay, like so... Okay, so yeah, she figures like, all right, I'm pretty sure now that with these two relationships failed, she probably, and two kids now, she's probably like, 
uh, I missed out on a lot. She probably delusional because she thinks yeah. she's the bomb, so she wants to get back out there. Yeah, so she she actually ends up um, getting a friend, one of her neighbors, and they go out to clubs a lot. And Jane mentions to her neighbor like she has a lot of wealthy boyfriends, and she likes to go after men that can take care of her. Um, and that she was like dating Arab men at this time and stuff like that. Like she was like all for it. Was it um, true? Well, all that was true. I don't know. I don't know if it's true or not. And I also don't know even if she did have these boyfriends, if they knew that she was a mom. Yeah, I think that that's part of her schizophrenia talking. <laughs> so she thought oh. she had a bunch of, uh, you know, overseas lovers and really didn't. Yeah. So she also liked to go to Vegas a lot. Um, and so one of these, like usually by herself where she would meet people and like, she would spend their money in casinos and stuff like that. It's so uh-huh. funny because it's the 80s, but it sounds like so now. Like people be <laughs> getting on the internet on their whatever hookup sites and then meet me yeah. in Vegas. That's crazy. Yeah. So during this time, I think we're, we're getting a little bit like later on, maybe a few months have passed and Jason finally notices that his mom has a serious mental illness and the only reason why he notices this is because they were watching tv and there was this like country singer on the tv and jane says i know that man i met him in a bar and i told him my life story and now he's profiting off my story and his songs oh shit and Jason's like, what are you talking about? Is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. He's like, mom, what are you talking about? Like, I'm pretty sure this guy doesn't know you. And she's like, no, he, he and his friends are going to be out to get me. Like, they have to get out of here. They're going to get her for what reason? <laughs> because... He never said why. Oh my God, I can't help but laugh. It's just hilarious. So, so yeah, so so Jason's like, whoa, there's something really wrong with my mom. And then they got home. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sorry. That's just too funny. Okay, go ahead. So when they got home, by this time, they were living in a house. Like it was like a, a two-story house or whatever. And um, Jane would be going crazy. And in the neighborhood, they they didn't talk to any people in the neighborhood. Like the whole family became really outcasted because Jane didn't let the boys have friends over or didn't let them go to their friends' houses. Oh, and, no. Yeah. It was extremely like get in the house, don't look at anybody type of situation. And so Jane kind of became like the nut of the neighborhood because she was going crazy. I can imagine. Yeah. There was like a point where um, she would go over banging on her neighbor's door and was like, you need to get the Mexicans off of my property. It's your fault that they're here. These illegal Mexicans. They're staring at me from the backyard and the neighbor's like, what? Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. You're like, wait a minute. Doesn't she like uh, ethnic men? At this point, she was over it because Armando basically ruined it for her or whatever. Ah, Armando. 
<laughs> so yeah, so she's like, you gotta get the, these illegal Mexicans out of my backyard. They're conspiring to kill me. They want to kill me. They're living in my bushes. And the neighbor's like, okay, you know, I don't know what to do here. Like, sure, Jane, I'll I'll deal with it, whatever. And then she goes and she knocks and she's like, now they're on my roof. Get them off my roof. I'm trying to sleep. They keep stepping over on my roof and pounding and stuff like that. Oh, she's and, really losing her mind at this point. Yeah. Are they still living in Menifee, in Menifee at this point? Yeah, they're still in Menifee. Okay. So eventually somebody does actually call the police. Somebody, um... I was just going to say that. How come nobody has called the police yet? <laughs> somebody calls the police because, um, actually it's Jane. Jane calls the police and she says, you got to come out here. My neighbor is hiring illegal Mexicans, and now they're in my backyard and on my roof, and they won't get off get off my property. Okay, that's so, not how I expected the police call to go. <laughs> I was like, I'm sure the neighbors are calling the cops by now. She called no. on herself. Yeah, and so the police officer comes, and he knocks on the neighbor's door, and he has this really cheesy smile, and he says, hey, <laughs> can you not, can you tell the Mexicans to get off of Jane's property? And then- what? The neighbor's like, okay, like I can do that, I guess. And they even said they know when they see a 5150, but they just didn't think to act on it. Like they really didn't. Think Why about would it. they not? I mean, that's that right there is a psychotic episode, but actually, the 5150, they got to be a harm to themselves or others. So I can understand why they wouldn't take her on a 5150 yet, anyways. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, you know, they just became this nut to the family or to the neighborhood. A lot of people didn't want anything to do with them. And then they started to like move to town to town. And I think at one point they wanted to go to Redlands or something. So they moved to Redlands, started over. And Jane was still going out at nighttime. She would leave from like 8 p.m. until like early into the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this time she was like, she's still wearing her like hoochie mama outfits, but she did. <laughs> was not like taking care of herself like she wouldn't brush her hair and like she put on like she put on like really quick makeup and stuff like that like she was like yeah she was like deteriorating fast yeah yeah and she wasn't that old like she was still pretty young this is still relatively like she's in her prime i guess you would say how sad yeah um, so because of the boys not making lots of friends or not being able to have friends over, like they spent a lot of the time together. They ended up developing a really close bond. Jason turned into a complete loner. Like he was that stereotypical nerd like type or whatever. Um, he spent a lot of his time reading, doing homework and stuff like that. Yeah. Matthew was the more outgoing brother. Um he was actually like athletic. He loved to do sports. He was like a really good golfer and he was really good at hockey. Um, and he actually made it into several hockey leagues. Like he was on several teams, mm-hmm. uh, but made it absolutely impossible for him to remain because she was so distracting. And she was the reason why he was like banned from some leagues. Like he was not allowed to come back because of his mother. And that's sad, considering that, like, that was her golden baby. Like, he could have went far, you know, with his sports activities. But she's so mental that 
damn, that's messed up. She ruined it for him. And, you know, um, Jason is over there just like trying to protect his own self by withdrawing. And, you know, that's good for him that he stayed in the books more than anything, because that probably helped him. But I don't know. I don't know, to be honest, because we're about to find out repercussions of everything that's been going on this far. Yeah, so actually, because Jason spent so much of his time doing homework and studying, he was actually able to graduate early like his mom. Dude, that's crazy. And Jane was like, this was the only time she really seemed like she was actually proud of Jason. Like she showed off, look at my son, you know, he graduated early. He gets straight A's and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, She was very proud of how educated he was because she was educated herself despite her literally insane she was still smart like she really knew how to be you know she knew stuff yeah so um she was like she would constantly show off this is my smart baby this is jason look at his report card all of a sudden (laughs) there was actually one time where jason had brought home a b and jane like lost it and she was like you know you're worthless you're you're good for nothing you know you're gonna be just like your father you're a loser stuff like that and then what Jason, the fuck he tied her she tied him up with electrical cord and left him in the room for four hours tied up but i, I mean i don't understand like he's already like grown and shit why how do you let your mama just tie you up like that? He was a big boy. Jason right. ends up growing up to be like six foot four or something. He's what the hell? He's like 220 pounds and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, he's a big kid. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Like, how do you just let your mom? What do you You're just going to sit there and be like, okay, mom, just tie me up. <laughs> Knowing that she's mental. Yeah. Like, that doesn't make no sense, but okay. So that was just the very beginning of it. So I think now will be a great time to take a break before we get into the last half. Yeah, because you got me like completely enthralled right now. And I'm like, what? Okay, we'll take our break and come back for real. I'm ready to go. (laughs) All right. We're back from break. We took an unexpected detour. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so um, so I kind of stopped before everything started to get crazy because this is where everything does start to really start rolling is the one thing I can say. Like, this is where things start to get really messy for the family. And that's crazy because thus far, it's been really fucking <laughs> messy. Like, you're like, dang, how much worse can it get? But, oh, we're about to it find gets, out. Yeah, so... Jane, in her own, you know, deluded mind that she could only explain, she was constantly making the family move randomly. Like, she would, all like, say, in the previous houses that they had, Menifee and Redlands, she would go crazy. Okay, first of all, Mexicans in the backyard or Mexicans on my roof. And then it turned into the entertainment people. Remember, she said that that, that, that singer yeah, had yeah, stolen... Yeah. She said, like, the entertainment people are out to get her. They're bugging the house. We have to move. They have cameras and microphones in the house. And they want to get me and they want to get Matthew. We have to get out of the house. They were 
in, in and out of like hotels, not even hotels. They were in and out of motels because um, Jane didn't want to put a lot of money down onto something that she didn't think was going to be permanent. Yeah, and she and, was probably paranoid anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they spent a lot of time around, you know, other, um, I don't want to say degenerates, but it was like, you know, prostitutes that were there, junkies, and then even sometimes mentally ill, or mentally Ill people, once they get out of the institution or from jails or whatever, they usually are given, like, a voucher, go spend the night at the hotel or the motel, and then we'll collect you in the morning or whatever. Like, And we'll she still had the boys by this time? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, that's sad. <laughs> so they were constantly moving, and even at one point, they were technically homeless. They were living in their cars. Um, they had two cars. One was, like, a really old uh, Honda, and the other one was an Oldsmobile Intrigue. Uh-huh. I don't know what that looks like or anything, but uh, it was technically Jason's car because he paid money on it. By the way, Jason's like, you know, he's graduated. He's going to college. He actually is able to get into um, California State University, San Bernardino. Oh, good for him. Yeah. And he but he didn't really want to be there because that meant he was close to Jane and he really wanted to go far away. He had optimism of like going to law school and, you know, becoming this really good lawyer and stuff like that. But he got to CSUSB and, you know, he had financial aid because his mom doesn't work and he was getting, you know, jobs himself of like working at the hotels that they lived in for a minute and stuff like that. So he had enough money to help his mom buy a car and like be the sole person on this car. But she was like, no, you can take the old beat up ratty Honda and I'm going to take this new car. Sorry. Yeah. So he would actually sleep in that car alone. And then she would bring Matthew into the Oldsmobile and have him sleep with her. if They weren't in a hotel for the night. They, she did not want to buy an apartment or she didn't want to rent an apartment because she didn't want them to have their contract, like any signatures on anything. She was afraid of like leaving a trail basically of, you yeah, know, that's whatever paranoid schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She was not allowing them to have any type of cell phone. They weren't allowed to use the internet. Like they weren't, they were like. God dang. Off the grid, basically. Which is why Jose couldn't find them. Jose had no point of reaching them. You know, any address. She changed her phone number so many times and then eventually just gave up and started calling people from payphones. So it was, like, very hard to track them down. Damn. Yeah. So Matthew eventually got to homeschooling because there was no even way to get him into school anymore with their constant moving on the run type of situation um and jane was very proud of him being homeschooled she was the person that homeschooled him oh good Um, lord and jason was actually he was put onto academic probation and then he was barred from csusb because his GPA and all his classes, he started failing due to no stability in his life. Like, uh, yeah, that's a big factor. Heck yeah. Yeah. So, so Jane was absolutely ruining her son's like anything his whole life because she was so messed up in her head. <laughs> yeah. So 
After a year of being on the streets, living in and out of their car, Jason was just at his limit. He had had enough and he begged Jane, please find us an apartment. Think about Matthew. He can finally go to a brand new school. Like, you know, it's going to be really stability. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, we need stability. So Jane thought about it and she would go to apartment complexes and like she actually managed to get like an offer for one in Rancho Cucamonga and then she got like she put in an application for one in Redlands again but they denied her because they were like no you you have no proof of income and stuff like that mm-hmm. so she actually finally managed to find them a place to stay and that was in the Mission Grove Garden Apartments in Marino Valley, California. Oh, damn. You did take it back to our <laughs> OG hometown right there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so this was like the best time for them at this point, living in this apartment, because there is finally some stability. And while living in these apartments, Jason was able to go back to CSUSB. And like they were like, all right, you know, just do your your Keep your grades up and, you know, we'll keep you on here, especially with financial aid and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And while there, he decided to major in biochemistry. Like, he had these really big plans of he wanted to, to graduate with biochemistry as his major and then go on to law school and become this, like, chemistry lawyer. I don't know. I didn't know that was a thing, first of all. <laughs> yeah, like forensic but, chemistry. Yeah. Um so that's that was his goal and he talked about the future a lot apparently to like a lot of his peers about like how he just wants to get away from wherever his mom is and go and do stuff with his life because right. he was just tired of it. While at CSUSB, he also started to get into computers because you know electronics technology it wasn't allowed at his house. And he spent a lot of time in the designated biochemistry computer lab. And he even kind of got like a a job as what I would say is like a security guard almost for the computer lab. Oh, no So he had the keys and stuff like that. And he can go and come and go anytime he wanted. Imagine that like to be not familiar with uh, the internet and shit. And then he just goes on there and it's like, what? Like you can yeah. look up anything the hell you want and find something for it. It's probably Dang. like a caveman. Giving yeah, a caveman exactly. <laughs> and now you've given him the key to all this information, like literally. Oh yeah. He's about so, to go off on the internet. Yeah. So he spent a lot of time there and he liked to download um, video games and TV shows. And he did that because He thought of Matthew and how bored Matthew would be at home. So he did it to, like, spend time with his little brother. Mm. Some of the shows that Jason liked to watch with Matthew were that 70s show, um, Alias, King of the Hill, The X-Files, and his all-time favorite show was The Sopranos. Oh, my God. Sopranos. Remember when we used to do Soprano dinner? Yeah, it was Italian, like, every Wednesday or whatever. Every day that the Sopranos on, we eat Italiano. <laughs> okay, I can relate to his obsession with that show. That's a good one. Yeah, it was. I actually want to rewatch it. Um, And re-reading this book, it made me like, oh, my God, I really want to start watching the show again. Yeah. Uh, so there was – so Jason, yeah, he loved this show, The Sopranos. He had bought a bumper sticker to put on his car that says Bada Bing on it from 
Tony Soprano's like mm-hmm. his club or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he had a favorite episode that he would rewatch all the time. And it was an episode called Whoever Did This. And I don't know if you you remember this. Episode? I do remember that episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> so in this episode, Tony Soprano, he ends up getting into an argument with a friend, I guess you would say. And mm-hmm. he ends up beating him to death. Like he completely like just pounds on the guy. Um, and then he decides to well let's decapitate the guy and remove his hands so if the body's ever found they cannot identify him it's going to make it harder to identify you know that's how it's going to go right and jason and matthew would watch this over and over again and i i'm not sure why but like you know that was just a thing that they did um but it was more so jason than matthew mm-hmm now we're in like the first few months right before it's gonna be 2003 and it was like around October or so and Jane started to like again for the first couple months of them living in this apartment in Marina Valley they everything was really good and Jane had like her moments where she was actually being a mom she was cooking and cleaning and doing laundry and stuff like that like making sure the kids are doing their homework. Like she was like actually like mentally there, um, which was right. exciting for them. Right. And I don't then, know if they even realized that like when you do have a mental illness, it's like a roller coaster. There's highs and yeah. lows. So she so could have they, been on a good one. Yeah. yeah. They realized that whenever she is, whenever it's like summer, spring months, she's fine. But once it gets to fall and winter is when it really starts to come out. Mm-hmm. So about October, Jane started to say stuff that Jason already knew was just her illness acting up. And Jane kept saying, the man that lives upstairs is a pedophile and he wants to get Matthew. We got to get out of here. And Jason's like, no, I don't want to do that. We have just started to settle down. We're finally getting stable. I'm going to school. I'm doing good. I'm almost graduating. Matthew's doing really good in school, which was a lie. He wasn't, but you know, just to in get his their mom's eyes, he was doing yeah. good. Yeah. So he would tell her, like, no, like that's not what it is. And then kind of leave it at that. And then she'd start again. The man upstairs is a pedophile. He wants to hurt Matthew and he's trying to get inside the house when we're gone. And he's trying to put cameras and microphones in the house. And Jason's again, like, no, dude. There's nothing like this is happening. Yeah. That's her decline right there. That's her decline. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a night where Jason and Matthew are sitting outside. And Jason says it would be so much easier if mom was just gone. Don't you think? And Matthew's kind of like, well, yeah, sure. But not really thinking too much about it. Yeah. He's like, maybe we should send her on vacation. Yeah. So he says, you know, I don't want to be homeless again. I don't really want to be out on the streets again, especially when we're this close to finishing. It would be so easy if mom wasn't here anymore. Don't you agree? Mm -hmm. And Matthew's like, sure, man. Like, again, like thinking if he's really saying what he's, I think he's saying, he's not really going to do it. Nobody really plots anything to do this. Especially your mom. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure Matthew's like, okay, yeah. And then in November, Jason, like, I think this was his cap. He told Matthew, 
you know, after one of him and uh, Jane's like yelling matches that he said, I'm just going to do it. And then he told Matthew that nobody would care if Jane was gone. Like she doesn't have any friends. She hates her family. Nobody's going to even notice. Nobody's going to notice. Exactly. So he told Matthew that he would need Matthew's help to try and hold her down. And Matthew absolutely refused. He was like, I'm not going to do that. That's not even like anything. And he thought because of two reasons. He thought one, because he considered his older brother a pussy. That's what he says. No way. And that- <laughs> he wouldn't be able to do it and that he doesn't Matthew doesn't have the capability to murder somebody especially right. his mom yeah because they had a totally different bond they had a different exactly. bond than Jason Jason, so Jason could have done it no problem because he I'm sure oh, he yeah. had hella resentment I don't know why Matthew didn't have as much resentment but I can only imagine it was they had a different bond than he did and, well, you gotta remember, yeah. Jane showered him with affection. This was her golden child, and with Jason, it's you're a loser, you're worthless, you're nothing to me. It's so crazy, you know? but I don't know. Like, why didn't um, Matthew be like, "Yo, maybe I should say something to someone"? I'm pretty sure they talk about it, um, or it's said like they don't really. They tried. Um, they did get CPS called on them once, and. Jane opened the door. The lady told her who she was. And Jane says, don't you ever come back to this house again and slam the door. Oh, my God. That's a red flag. And that was there. That was it. There was no other, you know, calls out there or anybody going out there after that. And there wasn't even a log or a call log that somebody went out there for this. Like, yeah. Only one time is I can see how you were saying in the beginning about like the CPS failure, but it's more so that they stayed off the grid. So there was really no way for CPS to be contacted. Well, and you know? That and I feel like all the neighbors could have at one point been like, hey, something's seriously wrong with this family. Yeah, that's all the what I'm neighbors, about. Yeah, all the neighbors could hear when Jane's screaming. And even at one point at the, I think it was the Menifee house. The neighbor said her and Jane's um, master bedroom windows were like this. So it uh-huh. was like Jane's and then it was hers. Like probably less said, than two feet. Mm-hmm. And she said she would hear Jane screaming and it sounded like a demonic howling like all night. Like she could hear it going on for hours. Oh my God, and that sounds like, like uh, your sister's neighbor, the one she talks about all the time. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, why don't you call the police? I... I when I had my neighbor, my nightmare, nightmare oh my neighbors that were that. constantly screaming, we called the police like every single time because it was just frustrating. Like Hell even if yeah. you're, you're like, oh, it's not my business. Wouldn't you want to stop? Yeah, please like, stop yelling, especially <laughs> when you know there's a baby there. Like exactly. Leah's neighbors, she tells me all the time too. I have to, she has video. Like you can hear the lady like screaming it's yeah, crazy so only imagine yeah. they're in the house i also i also had like recorded audio but you can't use that towards anything you can't show it to anybody because you mm. know it's kind of like recording without proof right but yeah i just don't i really really wish that neighbors had called see that's a than... word to the wise for our listeners out there like if you hear some crazy ass shit don't even hesitate to call and be like yeah just call just call 
you don't know whose life is you're not gonna risk. you're literally not gonna get in trouble like there's no way you're gonna get in trouble unless it's for like something super stupid but like don't. yeah yeah that's crazy um, so yeah so in so that was so in november you know jane starts again the man is a pedophile he's a pedophile he's trying to get in here he's trying to take matthew we have to go we have to get out of here and jason says i'm gonna do it like you know i have this whole thing planned when i or he because he asked um matthew hold her down you're gonna help me and matthew's like no that's my mom i'm not gonna do that so jason understood where matthew was coming from matthew's 15 at this point jason's 20 and he's like all right you know what you're a kid when i start this because he wanted to provoke jane when i start this go to the bedroom don't come out until you're told so he's like okay so some months go by we're finally in the new year it's january 14 2003 Jane starts screaming about the pedophile that lives upstairs and she's screaming at Jason that they need to go like she's being serious nobody's believing her and Jason says like yeah I don't believe you like I think you're lying you're crazy this is all in your head there's nothing wrong with the man upstairs and Jane goes like absolutely insane like that's the one thing she doesn't like to be told is like I don't believe you yeah yeah so she's lashing out at him and she says that Jason is being paid off to protect the man upstairs oh. and that you need to leave the apartment right now. And she goes over and like starts putting his stuff into a suitcase and he's like, yeah, whatever. So they're screaming at each other. And Matthew's like, all right, I'm going to go into the bedroom and I'm going to close the door. And he like sits there and he's like, they're fighting going on outside. And he's like, just put my attention on the TV. I don't care about what's going outside the door. Just focus on the TV. Not even 15 minutes later, he hears like a thump, like a body hit the ground. Uh-huh. And he kind of is like, all right, don't look over there. Don't look towards the door. Just stare at the TV. Focus on what's going on. He does not want to think about what just happened outside the bedroom door. Um, eventually, the knob to the bedroom door opens and Jason pokes his head in and is like, hey, I need your help. I need you to see if mom is still alive. What the so, hell? <laughs> so Matthew gets up and he's like, just check her pulse. I just need to know if she's still breathing or if there's something there. Jane is lying face down on the carpet. And Matthew goes and he picks up her arm and it's super heavy. And he's like, dude, she's gone. Like, there's no, there's no way she's still alive. And Jason's like, yeah, I kind of figured that. But I just thought I'd have you check as well. I'm not sure why Jason did that like i don't know right especially because he was trying to protect him from seeing all that exactly so i'm yeah that kind of made me like i really don't like that he was like come here check it out whatever i wonder like what was his demeanor during that time like was he just completely like calm was he like i don't know he uh there's like um times where they said like he was very frantic Uh like he's very like you know i don't want to say checked out or anything but he's just like disconnect in uh, some form yeah obviously so matthew says like you know what are we gonna do now our mom's lying i'm so sorry i'm like shaking right now as you're telling me (laughs) this i'm like what the hell okay that is crazy so matthew 
asks, like, what are we going to do now? Like, mom's lifeless body is lying right between us. Like, we did not even think about what's going to happen afterwards. And Jason says, we're going to have to take care of it just like the Sopranos. Oh, and Matthew knew exactly no. what he meant. Yeah, he's like, load up season four. Oh, you know what? I bet you <laughs> I bet you it is. I know it has to be like season four. <laughs> I bet you it's season four. It's it's Ralph, right? <laughs> Ralph is the one that. Yeah, Ralphie. Let me see. Oh, my God. Season four, episode nine. So they put that on repeat, on repeat right? Yeah. Yeah. So he said. Yeah, we're going to have to do this just like the Sopranos. And Matthew was, like, shaking. Like, he was like, I can't do this, Jason. I, You know I can't do this. This is my mom. Jason started to cry. And he even said, like, I want to just kill myself. And Matthew's like, don't. Like, I'm going to be alone. I need you. So Matt or Jason says, like, all right, go to the bedroom. Do not come out. Like, don't come out. I don't want you to see this. He drags jane's body to the bathroom and he puts half of her in the bathtub like he puts her I, i'm trying to describe it but i'm not really sure how like he puts her over the bathtub so her face is at the wall and the rest of her body like her legs and all that is just sticking out towards the floor okay so it's like if you were giving a baby a bath basically and you're like facing yeah the, you're like yeah, leaning, leaning over. over yeah right okay so he placed her like that but like a little bit more than half her body was into the bathtub mm-hmm. and uh he you know kind of started to strip he stripped himself down to like a tank top in his boxers and then he also stripped her of everything but her underwear and then he went to the kitchen and he got a a box set a kitchen a, a kitchen knife set um, that was brand new. They bought it so long ago, but they just never opened it. And he unboxed it and he took out the sheaths. Is that? Oh, I'm sorry, the shears uh-huh. and a butcher's knife from the package. Oh my god! So he returned to the bathroom and he started to cut his mother's hair just so he can make a clearing of her neck. Um, I wish you guys. Could, I wish you guys could see right now. I don't know why I have my eyes closed and covered, <laughs> but it's like, oh my god! I just, it's like I'm getting all the visuals on this shit right now. It's bizarre. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So he, I'm not gonna go into too much details. No, go into details. Knife. Go into details. I want to hear. He, he, so he cleared off a lot of her hair because you know he's trying to make a clean cut for her neck. That's what he wants to do. Is he, you know, like I said. The Sopranos. I mentioned what exactly happened. He's trying to do it. He gets out the butcher's knife and he makes one strike into her neck and then he starts to vomit and he can't stop vomiting until like he just has nothing else in him anymore. Um, He's like crying and stuff like that. And then he has to go back and finish his job. And like he ends up doing it. You know, you can tell there's like hesitation marks and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so eventually he finished what he had to do um you know with the whole body he he took off her hands so there's no fingerprints and stuff like that he actually cut right at the wrist joint so it's you know there's nothing yeah there's nothing there to hold on yeah so um he actually ended up draining her body of blood he thought i don't know i didn't know how he thought about doing that but he said that he actually would just push on the body so it would squirt out yeah absolutely but i'm not sure why he thought about doing it well is what i'm saying well i mean it would only make sense if he's already thinking about 
having to get rid of the body. Mm-hmm. He's going to flush the blood out to like not make a mess one. I'm sure he thought if listen, if he could think about chopping her head off, I'm sure he could think about not leaving a blood trail. You know what I'm uh, saying? Yeah, I guess so. I'm sure he had the water running to like keep, you know, keep it going. Oh, I can't imagine though like him lifting her leg up and like trying to yeah, drain that's, it. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh, that's yeah. Crazy. Um Yeah, so then he placed her body into a um they weren't they didn't have any furniture in the house which is maybe something i should have mentioned they slept in sleeping bags so he they didn't even have a refrigerator first of all why not they were she she was so paranoid about being on the run she didn't think that it was like anything it wasn't a necessity yeah yeah so they had no mattresses like a lot of their stuff was in storage and like that stuff was like they didn't pay for the storage and stuff like that so it's kind of like, you know, they just they didn't have anything essential. It's kind of sad. Yeah, it's very sad. So he placed her body in his sleeping bag and he like tightly rolled it up and like was getting ready to move it to the car. He placed her head and her hands into a large black trash bag and then he like really like tied that up. He concealed it with any like um, smaller grocery bags mm-hmm. and then he stuffed it into a duffel bag and threw it in the closet. <laughs> oh my god. Where they still live. They're still yeah. living there. Okay. Um, so yeah. So Matthew comes and um, Jason's like don't touch the closet but you have to come and help me. I need you to come and pick this up and put it in the trunk. And so Matthew's like alright. I already know what it is. I'm not going to ask any questions. Yeah. They drive towards Oceanside because that's where, uh, that's a place that they're used to. You know, Yeah, they, they were around. familiar with yeah. that area. Yeah. So they actually pulled up to a house that was in, I'm just going to say the address because I said where, where the apartments they lived. They pulled up to 2041 South Pacific Street and they were trying to dump the remains there because they saw this really big, um, like garbage container i don't know what they're called yeah and uh they didn't see a security guard that was on duty and the security guard was like oh this isn't this definitely isn't a car from this area because this is like a multi-million dollar home area and stuff like that yeah and he saw like oh these two boys they're very young you know they're trying to dump some garbage like leaves or something and he's like hey you can't dump your stuff here this is private property and jason and matthew are like frozen like they don't know what to do they're really scared and jason's like all right it's just some leaves or something and the guy's like no sorry like you know i'm not gonna you can't do that it's private property damn <laughs> it's orange county you know yeah they're a little it, bougie yeah so um jason or jason drops the body bag essentially and the guy is like that does look like a body bag like he's thinking this to himself like i've you know he's a a veteran so he's like i've seen a body bag or two in my day like i know what it looks like mm-hmm. um and he's like hey put the bag down open it up and jason's like no and he tells him like fuck you you're just a security guard you can't do anything and like puts the puts the body back into the trunk and takes off oh what the hell yeah and so the security guard's like when he picks up the 
when he essentially picks up Jane again, he noticed that there's a foot sticking out. And he's like, dude, I just saw a freaking foot. I don't know if it was a mannequin or something, but I need to call the cops. So he remembers their license plate number. Oh, God. Police department. And is like, hey, you know, basically saying exactly what he saw. Yeah. So they can't dump their body where they thought they were going to. And they're driving on the 74 freeway. And Jason decides that he's just going to dump Jane's body off the side of the cliff there um, because it was late at night. There was nobody around and that it was just essentially the perfect time to do it. He was tired, you know, like exhausted. Matthew was exhausted. So he parked the car over to the side, got out and took her body from the trunk and dropped her over the side and watched her roll like 90 feet down this cliff. And he actually slipped and he thought he was going to go down with her for a second, but he like caught his balance and stuff, um, which would have been karma, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, dude, the emotional uh, feelings I'm getting from this story is like insane right now. <laughs> I went from like yay to nay, like real fast. I told you it's going to get, it gets really crazy really quickly. Yeah. Um. So... The body was found, like, literally, like, a few hours later. Like, it's not hard to see a naked, white, headless body <laughs> down a ravine, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and a motorcyclist found it. Fuck. So, investigating officer Andre Spencer, he was the lead investigator on this case. And he was not getting anything for, like, tips-wise about who this woman was. Like, this was a big thing on the news. There's a headless woman in this ravine maybe it's gang related we don't know and what happened to the license plate what didn't they get the license that came that came to his desk seven days later you got seven days kidding me Mm -hmm. guy called like like, right then and there well because he was in he was in a different jurisdiction than orange county police department so Mm -hmm. it took a while to get to the proper like jurisdiction exactly I guess. okay I, okay it took them a week basically of... yeah they're if they're in a different jurisdiction they're not putting the two things together until they start yeah. calling around and asking if there's any missing people or uh, missing persons reports or anything exactly. like that yeah okay so it was kind of like uh yeah the body was found in orange county and this one happened in oceanside so i guess it kind of depended on whatever i'm not sure how it worked really Um, but he was like just waiting for anything to talk about or anything to show up. Like, this is who this woman is in this, in this ravine. They had based off of her like body that she was around five foot seven. You know, she's obviously a Caucasian woman. Um, she had like red body hair so they're like okay she's a redhead Mm -hmm. like she's a little bit pudgier and by pudgier i mean she's like 170 that's not even pudgier i know that's what they said yeah (laughs) um and then um one of the other detectives the way they describe it in the book is so gross they're trying to move her body to put it into like an official body bag Mm mm-hmm And he goes to grab her arms and he says, like, he forgets that there's no hands there. So his hand just slips right off and all her blood is on his hands and stuff like that. 
Yeah. And he's like, oh, my God, that's disgusting. And then he, like, has to grip tighter to move her. Like, I was like, dude. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. So eventually, hey, we have this license plate number from a guy that called in from Oceanside. Do you want to check it out? And he's like, eh, yeah, I have a hunch about it. Like, let's let's, you know, look it up. And he looks up the records, DMV records, and it has Jason's picture. Oh, Jason Bautista. He's the number one signer for this person or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's a big kid, six foot four. And then right underneath his picture is Jane Bautista, and she's a redhead. And he's like, yep, this is our lady. This oh, is the one that's damn. in this ditch. So he's like, all right, well, we need to find Jason. And maybe we should go talk to this security guard who saw the car. Maybe he can see if, like, was Jason in the car or was somebody stealing the car? Like, what was the situation? Yeah. So they go talk to the security guard and they say, hey, is this the guy that you saw in the car that night? And he's like, yeah, that's him. And the little one is probably, like, I don't know, a teenager or something. But that's definitely the guy I saw that oh, night. Oh, so he's like, yeah, there was more than one person. Yeah, yeah. Oh, damn. So he's like, all right, well, now we definitely have to go find Jason. And they went to the hotel that he worked at and they were like, oh, yeah, he's at school. I know exactly what what uh, class he's in right now. He's in like physical chemistry or whatever. And so they go and they're like, hey, we need to talk to you. They're trying to make it so like they don't look like homicide investigators. They say we're working on a missing person case. Mm-hmm. Um. Your mother, has she, you know, we have a friend that says that your mom hasn't talked to her in a while. Um, Do you know where she is? And he's like, oh, yeah, my mom, she went she went back to Chicago um, or she's with a boyfriend. It's hard to tell. You know, she has a boyfriend every week and stuff like that. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay. And then he was like, can you describe your mom to me? And he's like, yeah, she's five foot four. She's um 120 pounds and she's covered in tattoos. What the heck? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, hmm, that's not like they kind of doubted themselves for a second. Like, is this really the person that we have in yeah. this body? And so, and then they're like, no, like we know exactly. Like he's not playing us, whatever. He's not going to play us like he thinks he will. Mm-hmm. So they had already known and they said, Jason, listen, we have a witness that says you were there. He saw he says he saw a foot. We have this body. We already know what happened. Just tell us the truth. And Jason's like, all right. I did it in self-defense. She was coming at me with a knife and I just I blacked out and I I killed her in self-defense. I didn't mean to. And they're like, all right, you know, I don't believe that. But if that's what you want to say, that's fine. Mm-hmm. And they recorded his whole confession of him saying, like, yeah, you know, I'm a good kid. I work really hard in school and at work to get to where I am and to support my brother and stuff like this. Like, Is there audio of that conversation? I don't. I could not find it. Oh, man, that would be cool to have because I would put it in this episode. So he's like, Jason, do you have anything in this car that will incriminate you? And he's like, listen. If you're going to get a search warrant, like, I have to tell you, her head and her hands are still at the house. He straight up told her? He straight up told the guy? Yeah. Fuck. (laughs) So they're like, all right. So they had to call one of the other investigators and was, like, they, 
the this group of officers and investigators they said they went through the house in less than five minutes because there was nothing in the house they had no furniture yeah that's right it's like nobody lived there yeah so they were like we didn't find anything and then he called like right before they're about to take off and he's like check the closet and they're like oh my god like that's (laughs) why wouldn't they check the closet I guess they didn't think too much of it. Well, you expect a head and a hand, you're going to smell something. Exactly. That would have been like clue number one, especially it's been like a week or however long it's Mm -hmm. been. It's been a while. It's been like, I think, two or three weeks by this point. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, okay, but we don't smell anything. Obviously, there's nothing here. They are actually there because they thought maybe Jason has other victims, Mm -hmm. like, he was they were afraid like oh we're gonna go into this place and it's gonna be a freaking bloodbath yeah like where is the brother right now exactly that's what that was one of the questions they were like is matthew still alive and he's like of course i'd never hurt my brother okay but where is he (laughs) because he said he was like oh he's at disneyland like he that was his excuse where matthew was matthew's at disneyland what the i let him go to disneyland so the officers in the house, they check the closet and they're like preparing like, okay, if there's something in here, let's get our respirators on. Like, we don't want to be smelling of dead body. Obviously, nobody wants to. And they're like, there's nothing in here. It's a bunch of bags, like a bunch of grocery bags. And they keep going and they're just pulling out more grocery bags. And then they see this black trash bag and they're like, okay, maybe this is it. They still don't have their respirators on, by the way. So nothing's smelling and so they open it and they said it's like a wax museum exhibit. Like it was completely like it just had like sh- she was still fresh. It was so weird. There was no smell coming from it. Like she was still pristine, her hands and everything. What and that the hell? Like, you know what? Yeah. Is it, I wonder if it's because he like drained all her blood out and everything. I don't know. They said it might have been because of how tightly he wrapped everything. But I was like. I've never heard of that happening where yeah, somebody's remains. You can are... smell death. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What the hell? So, yeah. So they weren't even decomposing. It was like like she was just murdered like two hours prior or something. Mm-hmm. Like it was like, like they said, it was like a wax museum exhibit. Like somebody had just taken her hands and her head and, and molded them or something. Um, So eventually... You know, they figured out, hey, Matthew's not in Disneyland. Like, we know he's not there. Where is he? Jason ends up calling Matthew when he thinks the detectives are, like, not listening. And he's like, if you're home, get out of the house. Like, get out of there right now. I don't want them to get you. Like, if you're smart, don't be around the house and stuff like that. I'm not sure why. I don't think they they didn't have cell phones, obviously. No, they did actually. Why would he call him? Not call him on the cell phone. He did. They um, right after Jane died, they went crazy on getting everything that they didn't normally have. Yeah, like they were like, we're getting cell phones, we're getting furniture and stuff like that. You know, we're able to have friends over and all this. Uh, While they had Um, plans, anyways. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, he called Matthew on his cell phone saying, hey, get out of there. You know, the police are going to be there. Just don't be at home, blah, blah, blah. And uh, this whole confession is being recorded. So they also hear Jason calling Matthew and telling him to leave. Um, 
eventually Matthew was brought in, like, brought into the sheriff's department, and he actually lied to protect his brother. Like, he was like, oh, yeah, my mom, she's out in Chicago, or she's with a boyfriend. Right. Um, And I don't know when she'll be back and stuff like that. And detectives were like, you know, Jason already told us the truth, so you don't have to lie. So Matthew was like, yeah, okay, we did it. And it's said that Matthew shows, like, absolutely no emotion the whole time. Like, he's just like, yeah, okay. Yeah, we did it. Uh, who does it even say, like, what kind of emotions do you show? Like, first of all, his whole life was just <laughs> fucked up. Like, maybe he didn't know, like, what kind of emotion to show. Regardless, that's his mom, yes, and he loved her and whatever. Who's to say, like, what kind of emotions do you show when you're going through all this bullshit? Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Okay. So, obviously, they're taken into custody. You have the people admitting, yeah, we did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason is sent to the county jail. Matthew sent over to the juvenile detention center. And it's finally broken to the news. Like, hey, we found out who this woman was in this ravine. Um, and she was murdered by her sons. Oh, my God. Like, it's like media frenzy. Like media frenzy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the newspapers start to say oh well the sopranos caused this oh, influenced- <laughs> no don't be blaming yeah. those sopranos <laughs> come on now it did so, say viewer discretion advice by the way <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah so um jane's family ends up hearing about this and they come because they want to see the boys and they say it's said that they're not even upset about the boys killing their mom like they're just more concerned about the boys themselves damn um yeah and then um you know a lot of people end up asking them like did you know that your daughter or your granddaughter or your your sister like did you know that that she was mentally ill and they're like yeah we knew and they're like well why didn't you want to do anything to help her or the children and it was just like, well, we didn't want to interfere with how she was raising her kids. Right. And she wasn't going to let them anyways because that's part of her mental illness. It goes back even yeah. to um, her first husband and how she wanted to be the one that was in control of all times. Exactly. Damn. So, you know. This is so- a hard episode, like, emotionally <clears throat> for reals because, like, you don't know who to feel bad for in this story. Like, you kind of want to feel bad for Jane, but she is a fucking bitch. So you can see how mm-hmm. how they were like, she deserves it. But at the same time, <laughs> damn, the kids, they're victims too. But you know what I mean? Like, this is like, <laughs> this is beyond, um, I need, they could have just easily just packed up and left their mom. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. You've been homeless before. Just just escape from her you're damn 20 years old but Mm -hmm. okay so yeah yeah Yeah, so they're now like pretty chill now they're just calm and just whatever right so andre the um investigating officer he actually told jason to write a letter to his mom like apologize which i guess i understand like i'm not sure why like what good that's gonna be but anyways so this is what he wrote Mom, why? I love you. It didn't have to happen. Why? You were there for me when I was a baby. Why couldn't you just be there for us now? Our life was crazy, but I know you loved us. 
I know you loved us. Why? Everything could have been perfect. I almost had my degree. Matt was going to go to college. We finally could have been happy. I'm not mad at you. The detectives say this isn't the first time a family has had someone like you. We could have been a real family. Instead, everything was taken away. I didn't mean for you to get hurt. I love you, but I think about this. When I think about this, it makes me want to kill myself, but I can't. I need to be there for Matt. I don't know what good I am, though. A kid with no future, now worthless. With love and regret, Jason. That is so heartbreaking. But then again, like, can't glorify what he did. Yeah, also, I just want to say... His alibi for where he was when his mom went missing that night was that he was at the hometown buffet in the Marina Valley Mall. <laughs> oh, dang. I love that place. I was like, oh. <laughs> I go there like, I used to go there like once a week. Right? We love hometown. Shout out to Mo Val and all the Mo Val ratchets. Mm-hmm. Damn. So, yeah. So the family, um, uh, Jane's family, They're really supportive of the boys and they really want them to like, basically they they don't want them to be blamed for this. And they're, they're at the preliminary hearing and they're like waiting for them to, you know, okay, case dismissed or whatever. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't happen. It's looking like both the boys are going to be tried for first degree murder. And even Matthew is going to be tried as, as an adult. Oh, that's so sad. So yeah, which, you know, there's a rule in California, like, Jason really tried to be like, no, this was all me. I did all of this. Yeah. But they asked him, like, did you know your brother was going to do this? And Matthew says, yeah. yeah. That makes you just as guilty as the person that yeah. did it initially. So because of this, Jason, it was, to or Matthew, it was technically like he murdered his mom, too. Yeah. So Jose actually... He turns on the news and he sees, oh, my son. Finally. Like, that's my son. Yeah. But it's for, you know, son, you know, Murder's killed mom. his mother. Right. Yeah. So he's like, oh, my God. Like, I feel so bad. I need to go and find my son. Matthew's being held at Santa Ana Juvenile Detention Center. So he's like, okay, I can do that. I can do that drive. I'm still living in San Diego. Like, I can definitely go over there. Yeah. And he visits Matthew a lot and, like, is like, I'm so sorry for abandoning you. Like, I really, it wasn't because of you. Just know that it was your mom. Yeah. I didn't mean for it to come to this and all this stuff. And um, Matthew, like, hates his dad. You know, he blames it on his dad. Like, that's your fault. You should have never left us and stuff like that. Yeah. But I'm sure at 15, he doesn't realize, you know, how it was actually his mom's fault for keeping him off the grid. Exactly. So he even tries to connect with Jason because, you know, he basically raised Jason. He still considered him as a son. And Jason did not want him to visit him. Like, he wanted nothing to do with Jose um, until Jason stopped getting visitors because their family, Jane's family, ended up going back over to Illinois. Like, they were just like, sorry, we can't be here forever. Right. So then that's when Jason's like, all right, maybe your dad can come and visit me. Oh, that's messed up. Yeah, and Jose just says, like, it was very awkward. Like, it wasn't, like, anything I expected it to be. He didn't even, like, really look at me. He was quiet, and he was just, like, basically, like, if I wasn't there on the other side of the glass. Right. It's kind of, like, weird. A waste of time for him, for sure. Yeah, 
Essentially. You know, he wanted to have a visitor, but he, you know, wasted time for a visit. Like, I'm sure he had, he couldn't even look him in the eye. What could he say? There's nothing that he could say. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely true. So the trial started and I, um, I kind of bookmarked this in my book because I was just curious. But trial started for Jason and Matthew. They were being tried at the same time at first. And at their trial, they have, how many is it? Hold on. They have an 11-woman, one-man jury, which I think is so unfair. That is unfair. <laughs> I was like, that. I feel like that should not be allowed. That, that should, right. that's obviously going to, not that I'm trying to be like, well, this was a unfair trial or they need to redo it. But it's like, no jury should be that you know yeah it should off be to one more, side. right yeah. it should be at least 50 50 yeah not 11 1 so i didn't like that to begin with i think that might have made it a little bit more it gave the prosecution a, a emotional advantage exactly because that could be 11 mothers yeah mm-hmm. so matthew decides that in order to get a lesser sentence that he feels like he deserves. He needs to testify against his brother. Mm-hmm. And Jason kind of, he has to just go with it. He can't really do anything about it. Yeah. Know? And if um, he was trying to protect his brother, he just said, what well, should have told him. Yeah, do it. So you exactly. can live your life. Um, So Matthew told the jury in the whole courtroom, like, hey, you know, my brother basically plotted this for a very long time and yes I was there but I didn't ask any questions I didn't feel like I had to like I didn't really want to know what was going on and stuff like that and uh, you know he was like going back to juvenile hall basically that was his lesser sentence instead of being tried he was just going to go back to juvenile hall and finish out his sentence there well as soon as his testimony was over, they went back to their one-man cells, and Matthew's like, Jason, hey, Jason, like, trying to get his attention, and Jason's like, I hear you, Matthew, and they're talking about whatever, games, Rolling Stone magazines, and Jason says, do they know what you're going to do over there, or do they know what you're doing over there? Do they know what they, do you know what they do to snitches like you? And Matthew's like, Everybody just heard that I'm going to be a huge target. Oh, no. The prosecution heard it. And so when they came back out after the recess, they said, hey, can you repeat what just happened back there? And he was like, yeah, my brother called me a snitch. And he's like, are you afraid for being called a snitch? And he's like, yeah, stuff can happen to you back here. So that kind of showed the jury like, this man, although he puts on this like face of, I love my brother, I won't do anything to my brother, he has no issue with putting him in harm's way by saying, like, putting this target on his back of, you're a snitch, and you're going to get what comes to you. Mm-hmm. So that kind of, like, seals it for the jury. Like, this man really doesn't care about anybody but himself. Like, this poor boy was just this pawn in his game and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and, well, I mean, yeah. He was. Jason Bautista. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. So Matthew 
goes to juvenile hall. He finishes out his sentence. How I'm pretty long sure he's it? on probation. Was it just like he had to stay there until he was 18 or something? Or It was about three years yeah. or so. Yeah, but so he was 17 at this time. Oh. He had already gone through two years being in juvenile hall. Mm-hmm. So they probably just let him finish it out, his age range, and then they let him go. But yeah, so Jason was found guilty, obviously. Mm-hmm. And he was sentenced to, um, I'm pretty sure it was like life imprisonment. Or... Oh, you know what? I think I had, I think I might have it here. Hold on. I'll look really quick. Okay. So what I found out is that it, uh, the actual murder took place January 15, 2003. He was uh, arrested nine days later. It took place on the 14th. Oh, on the 14th. Okay. And mm-hmm. he was sentenced to serve 25 years to life in prison. Yeah. And the the reason why is because of the whole conspiracy. Conspiracy itself has a 25-year minimum. Mm -hmm. So, um, obviously, he conspired. He plotted for months and months with his brother, which is why they kind of wanted to do the conspiracy charge against Matthew as well. Yeah. About, I just need to get rid of my mom. And it's, it's, again, it's a really sad, sad ending for him. Like I said in the beginning, Jane wanted to get away from Armando so he didn't mess up Jason but it essentially ruined Jason in the end anyways because Jane put Armando and Jason in the same category of I hate these people right and Jason just had to go through with it he had to take everything from his mother and basically be her punching bag and like listen to everything she had to say and how much she hated his dad and how much she hated him and stuff like that it's, it's just, just a really sad. What I was thinking too is like during the trial, like why did he not ever say, like, I know he said it was self defense, but like there was really it, nobody other than his brother to step up for him at that time and be like, it was self defense. She was she was freaking psycho. So he said it was self defense, self defense because he wanted to get a lesser charge. Mm-hmm. And Matthew even says like the prosecution for him to get his like you know lesser charge they asked him did jason ever tell you that your mom came at him with a knife and matthew says no and he's like did you ever see jason with any like you know anything any injuries or nothing like that and matthew says no so they're like okay so it wasn't self-defense right your your brother did it just to do it and jason's like well i guess maybe well, yeah. All right. So it wasn't self-defense. How are you going to prove Yeah, you can't self-defense? prove it. You're six foot four, 220 something pounds. Your mom's five foot seven. Like, I'm not sure. I don't know. Like, okay, I know we're at the end of the story, you know, but I don't even know who the hell to feel for in this case. Like, the I only really one don't... I really feel sorry for is Matthew. Matthew. Matthew's done already. He should be out and doing his own thing. Um, because this happened, you know, 2003. This book I have is so old. It's from, like, 2005. I know so that's, like, one of what, your favorite books, old. too. It, it is. Who wrote that book? Tina Derman. Good job, it's Tina Derman. Such Good Boys. Yeah. And, by the way, what I noticed, my cover is different than other people's covers. If you look up this book on Google or anything, they don't have Matthew's picture. They have a second picture of Jason in lieu of Matthew's picture I'm not sure why that is um but I thought I was tripping when I looked up the cover art for this and I was like why why is, is he on there Jason twice twice yeah, yeah. 
That's crazy. Um, it's a really good story. Yeah. It's a really good story because you don't know who the hell to feel for in this story, except for Matthew. But at the same time, damn, like yeah, that kid. I mean, well, he was a kid at the time. He's gonna need complete emotional therapy for the rest of his oh, life. Oh yeah, I'm sure the he has extreme PTSD. The investigating officers, and even I think his defense attorney, they both remarked about how bizarre it was to see him talk about his mom's death and have no emotion yeah like they were like there's something seriously wrong with this kid if you can talk about yeah i know he chopped her head off and stuff like that but like just acting so nonchalant about it they're like he there's something really wrong yeah um so it's just sad there's a lot of stories or there's a lot of connections in the story that is like Jason quite literally ends up becoming like his mom. Like she, he ends up becoming very standoffish and yeah. like I'm better than you and stuff like that. And it's like it's like a, becoming a person. It's that like he a hated. pattern. It's like a pattern with their family, mom, mom yeah. grandma, and you know now Jason. Mm-hmm. It's like he became everything he didn't want to be, just like Jane. Well, it's that's it's, crazy yeah. and it's an unreal story, but it really happened. I'm glad you brought it up. I like it that it was so close to us again. Uh, remember <laughs> when we lived close to those freaking apartments? Yeah. That's so I won't nuts. say, um, yeah, I won't say where it's located. Well, you did. Well, I guess you, I should. You I did. Gave out you that, might as well. Yeah. Well, it's on Alessandro Boulevard, Alessandro. if you guys are curious. Yeah. Tell you, Mobile um, people, you guys know where Alessandro is. It's like the main Yeah. Road like through there basically if not so yeah yeah, this is a good story you guys i'm glad that you tuned in for it um yeah thank you and i again i apologize it really it was me researching for this because you cannot find anything about this case online other than like very small newspaper articles or um stuff like that like you cannot find any of this backstory about Jane or anything like that, um, which is, it's really sad, but it, it needs to be said in order to get the story straight. Yeah. And again, going back to the mental health educational part of it, like if you feel somebody is in need of mental health or anything like that, like step up, speak up, because look at the outcome that could happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, step up for people. Sometimes people can't step up on their own. Obviously, like, like these two boys, like, they couldn't step up. Somebody could have, though. There was many opportunities. So if you guys feel like you know somebody who's going through something like that, uh, I wouldn't consider you a rat or anything like that. It could be anonymous. Just step up for some people. Yeah, this, a lot of this definitely could have been prevented if, People just cared. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you care, Maya. And I'm glad that you brought it closer to home. But next episode, I'm going to bring it even closer to home. I'm coming all the way to India with my story next week. Um, I'm going to talk about... uh, I knew him as Carl Jablonski. But the people know him as Philip Carl Jablonski. This is extremely close. Like... It involved my mother. I was going to try and get her on this podcast, but this terrifies her so much that I can't even get her to really talk about it. But 
that's a real close one. So that's going to be a good one. So we hope you guys tune in next week um, to hear our story about Phil Carl Jablonski. Yeah. Before this episode ends, before this episode ends, I do want to say thank you to our supporters and sponsor. Yes. Thank you. guys. Thank you to Anchor. Thank you to Anchor for sponsoring us. Again, we really, really appreciate it. We are getting like really good support from everybody. Um, thank you to our supporters, uh, Jonathan, Leah, now our newest one, and Shauna. Yay, yay, yay. Thank you, guys. And uh, we couldn't be as motivated without you guys. Right. You guys are so motivating, especially our Instagram. Our Instagram followers are so freaking cool like you guys are the coolest people i have ever like not met (laughs) but uh we've had a couple of contests this week and we've had some winners one of those uh was official jimmy if you're listening on instagram at official jimmy he's one of our winners and i also have let me see i'm gonna find him in a minute Made with Love. It's Rerun Photography 7586 on Instagram. Those are our two winners for this week. So uh, they answered some trivia questions and they got prizes. So you guys keep getting involved with us because we love all your um, interactions. You guys are so fucking cool for real. Yeah. Um, Thank you again. We're so excited you guys are able to listen to this episode and we're very excited for you guys to listen to the next one. So with that... We'll see you next week. Peace out, y'all. Bye.